Hi, my name is Chris Bybee from Darkview Studios, and you're listening to Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morse, PJ, and Jessica talk about metacurrency in games. In the news, Hasbro is not selling Dungeons & Dragons. The D&D 2024 core rulebooks are not coming out in May. Paizo announces Gen Con releases that are coming out, and more. Plus, a brand new sketch about a tiny mistake spoiling the end of a very long quest. This week on Morse's Unfictional Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Captain Wrigley's Starship Emporium. Hmm, what's a starship? Is the GM mixing his genres again? Well, apparently Captain Wrigley is a very handsome man and the greatest salesman in the galaxy. Whatever that is. Wait, who's that? Greetings, human. What? We come in peace. You come in peace? Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill? I'll show you shoot to kill, you witless drones. Take this fireball right in the face. Ah! Wait, what? They were just extras for the commercial. Well, why didn't you say so? Um, do I still get paid? All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. Jess is dancing for reasons unknown to me, and with me this week is PJ Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. You've been listening to Smooth FM, and what we have here is we have the nice groovy sounds of Russ Morris Morrissey on piano, Jessica Tambourine Timpany Hancock on tambourine with the able assistance of Daryl Mott on sounds. I am, as always, PJ Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Oh yeah. That was a very interesting intro. Yes, as mentioned, I am also here. And yes. my name is Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> now I understand why you're asking us about musical instruments. because I yes. Thought... yes, you're welcome. Okay, so what is the name of our jazz band, more importantly? Oh, please, we don't confine ourselves to things like band names. They're so Morris's constructive. unofficial jazz symphony... Orchestra. Orchestra. Presents band. live. Band. Morris's unofficial jazz symphony orchestra band. Yes. True. Like Jingo, we've done, we found <laughs> the worst <laughs> name for the podcast. It's taken us like six years, but we've done it. Remember, okay. you can achieve let's, your dreams. Always be better. <laughs> let's leave this silly, silly, silly conversation behind and let's begin talking about some tabletop RPG news, shall we? Oh, yeah, do you know what? Serious. Do you know Good what show. I want to talk about first? Who do you want to talk about first, Jessica? <laughs> I want to talk about something that's not. That was literally TTRPG the exact joke news. I was going to make. The exact joke I was going to make, and you stole it from my mind. Ha <laughs> um, well, ha! Go on then. You you tell you tell us about the thing that didn't you can, happen. You can tell us what if you want, but <laughs> the thing I'm saying that is not news, a thing that has not happened, <laughs> is that Hasbro is not selling D and D. Just like that's, last week. Yeah. <laughs> and the week before, and the week before, and every week for the last 20 years, Hasbro has not been selling D&D, and we're here to exclusively what? report that this week also Hasbro is not selling D&D, despite scurrilous rumours onto the internet, on the internet, which say otherwise. Don't worry, yes. listeners. Russ, <laughs> Mar- Morris and Jess haven't lost their minds completely. They're referring to a non-event in the news. <laughs> yeah. Go so on, Jess, were- you, you talk about it. Go on. I mean, in brief, 
there was loads of people online. Uh, there were some articles posted and some clickbait things and people were talking. So like a rumour online, unsubstantiated, that a video game company, which I'm calling Tencent. Correct, yes. That's what it looks like. But I didn't know if it was like Tencent or something different. But anyway, mm-hmm. that they were negotiating to buy D&D. That was the line going around. But this is not what is happening. I think they were talking to um, Hasbro about getting a license for D&D. But that means like, because they want to make a thing for D&D in the same way that if I wanted to make a plushie of a bear owl or an owl bear, if you will, Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. need to get a license from D&D to do that. And the same way that Larian Studios needed to work out a deal with Hasbro to do. Yeah. So this first came up on a Chinese news aggregator site. Mm hmm. English language Chinese news aggregator site, which um, takes articles from a, another Chinese language news oh. aggregator site. But so basically, the site is called Pandaily, and the article was entitled Hasbro seeks to sell IP D&D and has oh. preliminary contact with Tencent. So you can see what people reading that headline would immediately take away from that. From that. So was it of- was it just lost in translation? Do you think then between the Chinese and English translation, meaning? The license and IP. There are like... theories about where it came from. Okay. Some are thinking it's an AI-generated article based on some uh, YouTube mm. clickbait stuff that's been online recently. Some of them right. think it might be a translation thing. Some of it might just think it's not great reporting. But generally, that site, Pandaly, apparently isn't an awful site for news. <laughs> what um, a review. I mean, you know, it's, not it's, you know what I mean, it's not. It's not, it's, it's not sort of like a tabloidy type yeah, site. No, it's it's generally a, a, a reliable Credible site. Credible news so. outlet. Yeah. So basically, buried right down in the article, a long, long, long way down in the article, after all this speculation about um, like Tencent buying D&D, is the important bit. Oh, when you get all the way down in the article, a Tencent IEG insider revealed that Tencent, represented by its overseas business department, IEG Global, is in negotiations with the aim of acquiring a series of rights, including the adaption rights for electronic games such as D&D. So basically, they okay they want to make um, D&D mobile games, is, is my is my guess here. Sure, sounds um, they're, they're a big, big company. They're one of the 10 biggest companies in the world. They're massive. Mm-hmm. Um, they own 30% of Larian Studios, incidentally, and lots of stakes in a lot of companies. Oh, maybe that's so why then. They're like, hey, this Baldur's Gate 3 thing's going pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, they're known for a lot of stuff. Venture, yeah, adventure, capital, social media, mobile games, internet services, all sorts of stuff. They're a oh. big, big, big thing. Um, yeah. um, the only reason you probably haven't heard of them is because they're Chinese, not um, not American. But they are, they oh. are big. Wizard of the Ghost doesn't normally respond to stuff like this, but did put out a statement. Oh, okay. Um, saying we regularly talk to Tencent and enjoy multiple partnerships with them across a number of RIPs. We don't make a habit of commenting on internet rumours, but to be clear, we are not looking to sell our D&D IP. <laughs> uh, we won't well. comment any further, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry, that just makes me laugh so hard. I mean, like, I think it would be hilarious if they did, because it would because just be really just funny to me personally. But, you know, I think it would be a terrible idea for, like, television dragons in general. Yeah. And, like, there'd be a lot of very upset people. So, for the sake yeah. of those people, we would be deeply upset by it. Yeah. I'm glad it hasn't happened. But it's bad for Hasbro. The problem is... it's just cow at the moment. It's exploded. are loss leaders at the moment. It's exploded over the internet, this rumour. And a lot of people are believing it. So I put up up an article entitled, No, Hasbro is not selling D&D, to try and lay down what the actual facts are. 
I remember in our we have hmm. a, a on EM World like a backstage like a, on a, a forum where we talk about news and someone said oh should we post about this and I was like oh I don't want to post about things that aren't news because that's kind of against what we do and it got so big you're like well we have to say something because yeah. <laughs> like well you just have yeah. to write an article saying there's no news basically yeah I know it's yeah 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 it's yeah D&D's not being sold to a Chinese what, company yeah. what else didn't happening. happen this week well there's a, well, there's a lot of things there I mean, there's a million things didn't happen this week. Well, it's funny you should say that. Oh. But there's something that, def- that that looks like it happened, but didn't actually happen. What else, Peter? Well, uh, you recall last week I be, I pointed out that um, Justin Alexandra, who does the Alexandrian blog, was gaining a bit of attention because he'd changed the name Jacaying, which is supposed oh, yes. to be after Janelle Jacay, to Sandering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has since released, quote, an apology, unquote. The reason it's getting scare quotes from me is because, for me, you can apologise for something if you do not take steps to make restitution, like to stop doing the thing that was the problem, then it is, uh, you know, not much of an apology. So yeah. he apologised about a whole bunch of stuff that I certainly didn't see anything people say he did. I mean, it sounds like a lot of people got very angry and started making up stuff and throwing it at him, and that's fair. But... My problem is, and always has been, he didn't do non-linear dungeon design. Calling it Xandering is inappropriate. He is still going to call it Xandering. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, no, he's learned his lesson. He's taken his lumps. He's apologised and he has not apologised. Well, I mean, he said sorry for a variety of things, but it was a 2,000-word article and I do loosen the bits. But the thing is, he's still going to call it Xandering. It's still going to be released as Xandering in his book. Right. It's not much of an apology, is it? It's like, you know, oh, I've done the thing. Sorry, that you call mm. me. I don't know. Um, hopefully he will see the light and maybe it's just taking him some time to change it from Xandering to Jukazing, which is what Janelle Jukazing's wife has said it should be called Jukazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm like, like Jukazing is respectful, non-linear dungeon design is like Ron Seal, which people know I'm very fond of, but you know what? It's definitely not, it's definitely not Xandering and people shouldn't use it. That, that's mm. just my take on it. So, yeah. I don't think it will stick. Um, no one else is going to use it. Yeah, stop well, trying to make well, fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Stop trying to make Xander happen. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, some yeah. people, some cruel and unkind people have called alternative etymologies as well, but I won't repeat them here. Mm. Um, Thank you. Amusing, no, I may find them. Because uh, yeah. I, a lady, am present. Would you like to know about something else that's not happening? Cool, go on then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the D and D twenty four core rule books are not coming out in May. Oh really? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm actually surprised um, by that. That wasn't. That, I was like, what discuss? Well, that was what was originally announced, and then those yes. graphics that had the May twenty twenty four release oh. date um, that were released at uh, it was like the PAX Unplugged panel last year, and yeah, yeah, also yeah. across Wait, social media. They they got, they, they got taken down. Yeah. yeah. But Jeremy Crawford in a recent video has revealed that the new core rule books will definitely not be available in May and that they will in fact still be working on those books in May. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what release book date we're looking at, but might that's, maybe that's Gen like Con Q- or something? I don't know. But still don't working know. If they're still on working the books. on them in May, then the physical... Just, Depends what just they mean by to... working on them, mm. though. I mean, yeah, that's because I mean, if, if, if they're still like in layout, mm. because the time to get layout approved, send to print, mm. approve the print mm. files, and get it done, even mm. on a quick time scale that we do with our much more limited distribution, is like six months. Yeah, yeah I mean, working might mean printing. You know, you never know what it is. A very vague statement. Fair yeah. enough. I don't know whether I, I, they mean writing still or mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, 
And let's be honest, they're going to print a lot of books. And you might be thinking, oh, like, yeah, just, 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 just like a lot of books. No, no, a lot of books. You hear the capital letters. How many letters. books do you reckon they're going to print? Like, more than, like, 12? I think probably more than 12. More than 12, yeah. okay. Maybe, maybe 15. Wait, are we talking maybe, millions? Maybe 15. Are we talking millions or what? Uh, a fucking couple of hundred probably thousand, not, mi- not millions. No, no, probably not millions. Like, yeah. what would be a couple hundred thousand, like? maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And that's maybe going to be distributed. Do they just focus on America? Do we know? I think we they they worked with America before, so hopefully they'll be using the same print in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They shipped elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, pretty sure, pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah. So yeah, no twenty twenty four players handbook in May, but I I'm going to guess Gen Con, but I wouldn't want to actually bet money on it. I mean, Gen Con would be if you were to bet money on it. How a big much would you bet? Well, there is something else big coming out at Gen Con. Oh, it's yeah. embargoed news from Paizo, um, ah. but yes. um, by the time this podcast goes out, it will no longer be embargoed. So I, I guess I will have to talk to you two about it, and then everyone else will hear about it after the embargo. Or, or, or am I not allowed to even tell you? I don't know. I don't know the rules. I don't know how this works. You can, can I tell uh, myself? You can, can, tell, I tell, my you can tell me. <laughs> but, but I probably shouldn't listen. Yeah, yeah, don't listen. To, don't listen to this piece. But, okay. but, but this is why this piece I'll, of I'll news was not included in <laughs> things. I record this week in tabletop RPG on February yes. the second in the morning, so I couldn't include it in there, which is why it isn't. But but do you want to share the news, Russ? Sorry. Yeah. So hmm. uh, at Chaincon this year, Paizo are releasing some books, mm-hmm. as they always do every year. They always make a big deal out of Chaincon. So coming out this year, there will be a Pathfinder Remaster Player Core Two. Mm. Um, this is 320 pages. It's going to have eight remastered classes in it and archetypes and mm. ancestries and a lot of other player options. So it's basically wow. player's handbook too kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Is, is, is this all the stuff that we've seen playtest for, like the Animist and stuff like that? I assume, yeah. That's what the... Okay, cool. I'm guessing, yeah. 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 Um, we've then got, this is interesting, a, an adventure path called the Pathfinder Curtain Cool Adventure Path. Ooh. Now, the idea of this adventure path is that your adventurers who have had lots of adventures... Mm-hmm. And you're eleventh level now, and this campaign goes from eleventh to twentieth level. Oh, and you are making an opera based oh. on your adventures, but powerful forces stand in your way, including enemies from your previous adventures that come back to try and stop you doing this. Oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. <laughs> that is actually really smart. Like <laughs> oh my goodness, like I know, I, I I know a lot of people do this because the Pathfinder adventures are very good, mm. and a lot of people get them and run even using different systems but that mm. sounds like something i want to do because yeah. i'm sure converting pathfinder to like level up a5e wouldn't be too much of a, there's a bit of work to do but it wouldn't be the, the most difficult thing you'd probably do it on the fly i imagine a, a, a fantasy adventure i think you could convert on the fly yeah sure yeah. sure yeah. generally yeah yeah as long as you're familiar enough with the rules yeah that'd be good yeah do it oh my goodness uh, that sounds amazing yeah yeah that sounds very good yeah. so what else have we got we got a they, they, they have a they have they have a different tempo with Pathfinder Second Ed, which is why it's kind of funny because there's like lots of little fights. But you know, short I fun. mean, yeah, you'd have to, yeah, it's it's not just, like just make it a bunch of medium encounters. It's not one to one, but like, yeah. yeah, like Russ said, it's a, it's a fantasy adventure. So at the end, you could, yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty lit. So yeah, I'm not going to do that for a long time because I'm. It's going to be a while till I'm ready yeah. to run high level play as a GM. Mm. I think because that's <laughs> a whole different kettle of fish. Okay, so we've this... had Path of Remaster Player Core 2, yep. and we've had mm-hmm. Curtain Call Adventure Path. 
But you should have stopped there because that just sounds amazing, no. Curtain Call. Yeah, it yeah. does sound amazing. Like, so There's good. also a 14th level hardcover adventure called Prey for Death, and Prey is spelled P-R-E-Y, and you play Red Mantis Assassins who must clear your own names. That sounds that does, like it might be That does fun. sound good, but you started with the opera and I don't... No. You, you should have ended yeah, with the opera. It's all downhill from there, Yeah, like, yeah. how do you... You can't beat that. Hmm. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. Okay, that's I'm true. Sorry. All right, sorry. I apologise. You're right, carry yeah. on. Um, we got the Starfinder 2nd Edition Playtest Book, which is a 264-page softcover playtest book for the new Starfinder. With mm-hmm. operatic score? I, I'm sure that as you buy it at Gen Con, they will have people humming operatic melodies at you. Okay, I'm not going to Gen Con, but fine. Oh. Well, you um, can't have it then. I, I won't. No. Um, there is a playtest adventure for Starfinder 2E, which is called A Cosmic Birthday. Fun. Do we have more details? And there's mm-hmm. a Starfinder flip map pack, map, map, flip map pack, which is for the playtest adventure. Flip map pack, flip map pack, flip say map pack. There we go. I can say so, that, please. So it's a birthday adventure. Do we have more details on that? Because like, um, will yes, there be balloons I can and jelly scroll and down and find more details on this adventure. That a sounds... cosmic birthday. Yeah. A Starfinder second edition playtest adventure for first level characters. Mm-hmm. Features fan favourite Starfinder creatures, all new cosmic Ooh. horrors, a mix of classic dungeon crawling, narrative rich sandbox adventures, designed to introduce the Starfinder 2E rules, giving you a chance to shape the new edition through feedback surveys. Mm. There you go. That's what that ben, is. Ben tell me a lot about the adventure, but thank you for trying. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just reading out the I said thank I said thank you. Embargoed press release. Please don't apologize. <laughs> what else? What else is coming out? Uh, oh no, there is a bit more about it. A a oh. cosmic entity stirs deep within one of the packed world's planets to aid the god's birth. Its most devoted followers search the ghost levels of Absalom Station for a sufficient power mm. source, a strange yeah. pocket dimension existing alongside the hub of packed worlds. Um, as the entity's emergence sends ripples across space-time, a group of heroes becomes trapped in the ghost levels with dangerous creatures and ominous power surges threatening the station. They must team up with the residents of Little Akiton to investigate these horrifying new foes, stop their meddling, and stay alive. There you go. That's what that is. That's, thank you. That's actually absolutely what I wanted to hear. Thank Excellent. You. There you go. So, it's all going to be Pathfinder... Uh, remaster and Starfinder 2E for Paizo at Genko. Love that. I'm very excited about the opera. It does sound interesting, yeah. It sounds yeah. fun. Wasn't there one... Didn't we play in a Pathfinder adventure about running a circus, Peter? Or am I misremembering that? We... Yes, you and me, we played in a Pathfinder 2nd Edition adventure, which was technically about running a circus, but we didn't really engage with that very much. And we were also going around dealing with demons and churches and so forth like that which was probably more our base mm. uh i can't remember the name of the adventure path maybe it was the extinction curse possibly can't remember and we also played a starfinder uh first edition game using our alexas yes i remember doing that <laughs> yes yeah yeah so anyway yes, these are things that have happened yeah yeah Anyway, so that's what's happening in Gen Con. So we're yes. getting, um, we are getting, that's August the 1st is Gen Con. So we're getting new Pathfinder stuff, new Starfinder stuff, maybe D&D 2024, or maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. 
What else? We've got quite a lot of news this week, actually. Uh, we got some more D&D news and Foundry, because Foundry yeah. is finally, after and they've been after this for years, official mm-hmm. D&D support. Mm, nice. So D&D's been on Foundry for years, but it's all been community-led yeah. and using yeah, yeah. urban gaming content, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're now getting official D&D support. Yeah. So it's all cool. going to be official, and I don't know how that will change it. Um, well, it means they'll be able to use all of the books, so there'll be a lot of material going on. I assume, you need to, I, yeah. I assume the current stuff is free, and you'd have to buy the official stuff, I guess, but I don't know Yeah, for sure. I'd imagine Yeah, yeah you'll get the, the OGL stuff, and then they'll sell yeah. you the book you bought the again to play. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm glad to see well, that happening. It's surprising, well, because I know they're working on their own VTT Yeah, so they've got and... their maps thing, and they've also mm. got their own 3D VTT, and they're also on Roll20, yeah. and they're also on Fantasy Grounds, so... Yeah, uh, I, just more I different ways to play D and D, I guess. Yeah, I guess it, the idea is that if we want people playing D and D, if they're playing D and D, regardless where they're playing it, they're probably put it where they are. Like yeah, at some point. So, well, I mean, to me, it seems like there's since they put Fifth Ed largely quite a lot of it into the Creative Commons, there will be a switch to a different tradition at some point because then they can make more money out of it, and yeah. in order to benefit from that. They're going to need to get people who maybe are more resistant to online gaming into playing online using these various tools. So once you've got people doing that, when they unleash their own unleash, announce, release. Mm. That's the word I'm looking for. Sorry. Unleash. I like unleash. It sounds more esoteric. Unleash the dogs of D&D. I will now make any announcements, unleashings in the rest of this podcast. I think you should. Definitely add a certain something. A je ne sais quoi to... So once they've got people playing online, then it's like, well, you know, come and sign up on our tabletop, which is custom built to provide just this game, which hopefully it should be better at than Mm. systems which are designed to do just any game, if you follow what I'm saying, because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not unreasonable. And I expect there'll be lots of, like, extras and freebies and all sorts of, like, little bells and whistles that you can get. And then once you've got that, then when you switch over to 6th edition, it'll just happen. And you'll obviously be able to keep playing your old stuff, but yeah, there's all this shiny new stuff. Mm. I mean, that's what I would do if I was running a game company and I had that sort of market position. But you know, I mean, don't, don't pay attention to me. I, 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 I've only, I've only been paid to work for TTRPGs for like, oh, I don't know, uh, what is it? Three years now. So yeah, I, I'm just a noob. What do I know? <laughs> I, I'm sure, me. I am sure Wizards of the Coast is hanging on to your every word, Peter. When you were saying, um, if I have a TGFD company, I was like, you technically yeah. do, because you do publish stuff. But then you said, without market position, I was like, fair enough, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a market position. I mean, Who you does? know, like, I, I mean... Like Wizards. It, it just depends upon your, it just depends upon your values. And mine are, I just, but I just know that's what I would do if that was my job to do that. Okay. because that would be a sensible thing to do were it my job but it's not my job uh, so that's, I, will, yeah. I, I will pass your note, those notes on to wizards and um, I'm sure they'll get on that right away oh, oh no, no. you don't job. need to Russ I'm just saying because I don't think I'm special I don't think I'm particularly smart about it like they have definitely thought of this already because it's not I don't, think, obvious I don't think they have Peter oh okay you think that's too competent correct yeah. anyway. 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 anyway I have some unleashing news Oh, uh, unleashing the news. Chaosium Yay. is unleashing a highly anticipated <laughs> book, uh, Pendragon 6th edition. Mm-hmm. So for four years, it has been in the top 10 most anticipated tabletop RPGs for four years in a row on EM World Voted. So the excitement has not dwindled. 
but this year is the year that Pendragon 6th edition is going to be coming out and they have Ooh. it will be unleashed sorry and it is being unleashed <laughs> yes. this April Ooh, marvellous nice that's so we're the news a I have handbook. yeah we've got a player's mm-hmm. handbook coming in April mm-hmm. um, and then um, the other books are coming mm-hmm. um, as soon as logistically possible according to uh, Chaosium Mm-hmm. So there's a game master's handbook and a noble's handbook. The game master's handbook, obviously, obviously, what that is is a, you know, I guess the Pendragon version of a DMG, and yeah. the noble's handbook is about high level play. Mm-hmm. But oh. they'll be coming as soon as logistically possible. But April will also see the Grey Knight, which oh. is a kind of famous Pendragon adventure. It was originally published in 1986. Mm-hmm. It's going to be updated. It was by Larry Dutilio, um, who you may recognise other works. Like Mass of Nyarlathotep, pa pa pa, top top top. Oh yeah, Mass of Nyarlathotep. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and a lot of other stuff. Yeah, this is a, a funny and video games and all sorts of things. I started playing that and it was really good that module. But then um, one of the players and I was the campaign with me. We broke up and then so it was a bit awkward and the party never went back to it. Oh dear. <laughs> Sad times. I'm actually, <sighs> I'm actually playing that online with um, some nice people. So that's pretty cool. It's hmm. brutal. It's a brutal scenario. I played. I played. Oh, I played like yeah, a I played, session so far. So. I played about three months of it. I think. Wow. Okay. And even then, it's it's so long that we barely scratch the surface. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. It's a big, 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 long campaign. Really yeah. long. Right. Um, yeah. Um, also, they're planning an updated version of the Great Pendragon campaign. So this was mm-hmm. originally released in two thousand and six, uh, written um, by Greg Stafford, who. Mm-hmm past a, a year or two ago yeah and this covers 80 years of game time across multiple volumes it's a yeah. great big multi 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 book campaign wow so that is also planned so they've got a load of stuff planned but the only actual release date we have is april for the player's handbook so far for the unleashing the unleashing yes not yes. not releasing unleashing mm-hmm. exactly. or is it the announcements that get unleashed or is it the actual books or is it both the when well, no when the book is unleashed so yeah, picture okay. like a you can't a load of chains around a bunch of quivering esoteric tomes shaking, right, right. Okay, and they're yeah. unleashed into your friendly little game store for you to okay. go and capture. I mean, depending on the size of the book, they, they like might tend to be a bit more towards the chihuahua size. Like they're, yeah, but they're small, but chihuahuas fears. are no joke. They they're full of rage. So are my books. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have more unleashing news as well. Unleash some. Hit. Unleash some news. Cubicle seven. Yeah. Uh, for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, or Woofrup, as it is known. Uh, they mm-hmm. have a Tribes and Tribulations book, because mm-hmm. we, we love a pun. But yes, yeah, so, so that is a source book full of orcs, goblins, and mm-hmm. you know those sorts of creatures. It's a big source book. Oh, yes. Uh, I play in a Warhammer Fantasy uh, game, which I've been playing with for over a year. We're playing through um, the Enemy Within campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah. The, the PDF of the new book is available on Drive Through RPG or Cubicle 7 website uh, for just under $20. Um, and you can pre-order the hardcover. The hardcovers will be al- unleashed in <laughs> the third quarter of this year. So nice. you can pre-order it now. And if you pre-order the book, you get the PDF immediately. The, the oh, PDFs hit, are unleashed. They'll hit tables like rabid chinchillas. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Ah, oh, it's supposed to be. Oh, and, expecting it's rough up. I was dying of plague because it's rough up. And <laughs> that, that is the end of my unleashing news. Actually. Oh, I, I have more unleashing news. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Let's talk about Purple Planet. So, this is a oh, dungeon. DCC? Cool, yeah, dungeon crawl classics thing from yep. Goodman Games. 
and they've got a big crowdfunding event coming up soon mm-hmm. on Backerkit, and it looks like there's some new kind of functionality for multi-publisher crowdfunding events because there are eight different publishers simultaneously what? releasing Backerkit crowdfunding campaigns. Um, you can pledge simultaneously for all of them or some of them. They have like linked stretch goals and things. Oh. And they come from a whole variety of publishers. Interesting. Including Goodman Games, who's kind of spearheading it. Mm-hmm. And it's launching on Tuesday, February the 6th, which I think is this coming Tuesday. Yes. Uh, are you, are, do some of these publishers include Pinnacle Entertainment Group, the people who do Savage Worlds? No. Ah. Well, Advanced First Edition is safe for another day then. No. <laughs> Because, like, uh, if you, I, I mean, I really want to make DCC and Savage Worlds work together because that would be my idea. I've never actually played DCC. I should do. I should do, but I've never played DCC. I've heard a lot of good things about it. One of my friends runs for them at conventions and has for like seven or eight years, and they're Mm. a big advocate for them. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So, that's a bit of unleashing news. That's going to be unleashed on the the backer kits Mm -hmm. next week. Excellent. And and sticking with crowdfunding news. That is really excellent. I'm. That, that's that's a, that is interesting. Concept. I like the way Backerkit seems to be adding in functionality that Kickstarter Ooh. doesn't have. Yeah, my publisher brain yeah. was like, oh, interesting that you can do that. Cause yeah, that is very cool. You could do interesting yeah. things for supporting yeah, your third party community, yeah. community and stuff. Yeah, mm. that's a really clever idea, I think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe anyway, so also, we got a report from Polygon. Oh, okay. Via um, which Tabletop took- Analytics. Yeah. Yeah. Right, which took oh, yeah. the, the data on tabletop analytics and like went through the data and compiled it. Mm-hmm. Tabletop oh. analytics basically um, automatically scrapes um, Kickstarter <coughs> and just oh. produces um, the list of all Kickstarters and their funding titles. It's like KickTrack, isn't it? It's something like that. Kind, kind of, yeah. Site, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just a little different. It doesn't do predictive stuff like KickTrack okay. does. Some would argue that KickTrack doesn't do predictive stuff either. But. Well, <laughs> near the end of the campaigns, like in the last when few it's really days. Obvious, yeah. When it's yeah. like got seven but, seconds left to go, it's really, it's really No, accurate. I'd say in the last oh, week, but in the last, no. in the last oh, week, <laughs> in, the, in the last week, I... It does a good guess, but Always I think in the last week, tracker. I can also do a good guess. Yeah. Always use backer tracker, not KickTrack. KickTrack is... Terrible backer tracker is fairly accurate. I found. Anyway, they actually, they actually do sort of like look at what typical patterns of um, campaigns are, whereas mm. KickTrack just looks at what you made yesterday and just assumes that you'll make that every day. It's oh, not really it's how campaigns ha- work. That's its algorithm. That's why it's so awful. So it's not anyway, really. anyway, anyway, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So this report from Polygon, um, using that data from Tabletop Analytics, um, has indicated um, two things. Mm-hmm. One is that tabletop segment on Kickstarter mm-hmm. is still mm-hmm. growing. Yes. However, individual creators are getting 30% less funding. And oh. this is a bigger pie, but smaller smaller pieces of the pie type situation, mm-hmm. I think. Like, mm-hmm. as more and more people are crowdfunding TTRPG stuff or tabletop stuff in general, yeah. Yeah. there's, even though, even though the size of the pie is growing, yeah. Individual shares are sinking. You know, it's yeah. being spread more. There's, a, there's still a certain number of customers. So it's being yeah. spread more and more thinly. So Kickstarter income is dropped per creator by 30%. Right. Which isn't great news for those on Kickstarter, but I suppose is great news for Kickstarter. Because Kick, Kickstarter is... Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Kickstarter mean, still gets a share of the whole pie. 
It's it's interesting because it mm. it does mean the industry has more variety, but that does fragment it because like mm. there's a certain number of people who buy tabletop games and they have yeah. a certain amount of money. Um, yeah. So in but a way, there's... I really like it because it means there is a, more people making stuff, so there's more diversity, and more mm. options. Mm. But yeah, but sorry, Peter. Well, I was going to say this is part of the thing that is like a little bit strange because we should surely be seeing more people carrying Sabi. Uh, if we accept the standard offering, which is that uh, D&D brings more people into the hobby and then some of them choose to go and play elsewhere. Um, so certainly if I was a TTRP designer right now, oh, wait, I am, huh, then I'd be very concerned with um, how to make my game an attractive or leapable to yeah. uh, proposition. It's got to stand um, out somehow, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, or it's got to be easy. Easy you know, is yeah. key at this at this yeah. moment in a more of and more crowded market. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we we like generationally, people just aren't prepared to mess around, and try and make things work. It's got to work mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. Can't 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 you can't have it ever because like you know Gen Z are just like why why do I want to mess around with something that doesn't work straight away? Whereas of course like millennials, older like younger Gen Xers, it's like yeah, well, of course you have to mess around with it and fiddle with it to make it work. Mm. That is no longer the ex- mm. that is no longer the yeah. regular experience. Well, I'm just saying here historically. Mm-hmm. Kickstarter yes. shares this data publicly. Yes. This year they're not. Well, and no. they told oh. Polygon, we're not discussing specifics around the total dollars raised at this time. Oh, yeah. But because Tabletop Analytics is able to scrape the... And basically the, the Kickstarter total of any given campaign is right there for you to see. It's, yeah. It can't be hidden. Yeah. Um, it's able to scrape that data. Mm. So just because um, Kickstarter hasn't um, compiled it for anyone, doesn't stop mm. other people scraping that data, compiling it themselves and drawing mm. these conclusions. Um, well, but it's interesting that they've decided not to do that well, this year. I mean, it's really obvious for us. Like, if, if my if my, plat- my Kickstarter platform was um, doing stuff and I was a corporate goon, then, you know, no offence to people at Kickstarter, but, you know, like, you've got to look after your company. That is pretty much your job when you work at a company. Then I wouldn't be saying, oh, by the way, individual creators, you're less likely to make as much money. Mm. But good news, we're doing super well. Yeah. Like that yeah. is not the information that I would want to give to yeah. them. I'd want to give them some other information that would make my platform attractive still. Yeah. Especially yeah. when I've got competition from places like Indiegogo, itch funding, et cetera. Yeah. I agree. And back um, it looming on the horizon. I think well. I think part of Ooh. it is it might be that they are starting to lose traffic to back it because back it, especially this year. Yeah. Or last, well, the end of last year with MCDM, and there was a big, big Monty Cook one. Yeah, you know, they'd be starting to get some big million-dollar campaigns themselves. Mm. Mm. Well, um, it's, was Gloomhaven on back of kit as well? It I was. Think, yes. that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it might be that it's just that the audience is fragmenting, and some of that traffic is going to back of kit instead. I think that might. be I don't the know case. for sure. But I it think might be that back of kit set up to be a good competitor because a lot of people who did Kickstarters have use pledge managers on backer kit mm. so the audience already has a backer kit account so it's easy to and backer kit has all that functionality already yeah, baked yeah, in yeah. which kickstarter doesn't have yeah so yeah. it's not like if you go to back a backer kit thing even if you've not backed something on there before if you log on it's you likely got all your stuff from pledge managers if you've done unlike if you were to join indiegogo the first time when you have to make an account and da, 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 mm. so yeah i think that yeah. just makes it easier uh, and it's entirely possible for people who like, I don't know, don't do a weekly news podcast about it or who mm-hmm. aren't games journalists to be like, oh, uh, Kickstarter, aren't they doing a cryptocurrency? I don't want to do anything with cryptocurrency. That's not been true for several years. Mm. But, but there was that in the news. Yeah, I remember that narrative. It was in the news. I was like, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with them because that's, they hear one thing and it sticks. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know because that's very much how I work. <laughs> I get constantly updated by doing this, this podcast. So that's like where mm-hmm. I'm able to, uh, uh, p- project a semblance of knowledge because <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm updated weekly. It's great. You should listen to this show and you too can pretend to know what you're talking about. Ta-da. Do you want another piece of news? Yay, more I news. I a piece of news. Uh, so free Is it about are... anything being unleashed? Uh, not really. Kind of maybe. I'll let you decide. But anyway, no. free RPG day in the mm-hmm. United States of the Americas and perhaps North America. I should have checked. But anyway, mm-hmm. June 22nd. The date has been announced. It's June 22nd, 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the date for free RPG Four day. days before my birthday, mm. more importantly. Exactly. I think yeah. it's a different date in the UK, but I'm talking about... My birthday? No, it's the same date in the UK. No, it's different. No, my birthday is the same date everywhere. No, no, no. It's, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> anyway, you can find out if your friendly local gaming store is participating on the website. There's free RPG day. Find a retailer search so you can look up and mm-hmm. see where your closest one is. Um, but pretty much... Yeah, it's just an initiative that was started to try and get people into... It started with comic books, I think. It started Free yeah, Comic Book Day. Yeah, but now yeah. it's there's also yeah, Free, free Comic Book Day. has been around for... Yeah, so years, it's evolved out of that. But you're basically, your friendly local gaming stores will get a retailer pack full of goodies and stuff so you can go and, and get freebies and, and explore and try new stuff um, hmm. at your local gaming store. So you can do the find a retailer search. And if your retailer isn't, you can also nudge them towards it. And I think there's probably still time for them to sign up, maybe. Um, but yeah, so it'll be June twenty second. That is my piece of news. Lovely, lovely, nice. lovely. I do have some small bits of news if we're okay. interested. I am interested. I love RPG news. Um, well, as you know, I am keen on accessibility and mm-hmm. sometimes even representation. Ooh. So, uh, you if you play or run Blaze in the Dark, there are ways to uh, let your players have disabilities and prosthetics for their disabilities. Mm-hmm. Oh, that so their characters is... can have them. Thank you. So their characters. I... Yes. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do to your players in this game? <laughs> Sorry. Breakable things, legs. Um... Sorry, I apologise, yeah, yeah, please um, carry on. You, you... No, no, it's fine. Uh, unique items for each class. Um, like, uh, yeah, there's a dyslexia print-free version. There's um, mobility items for Blades in the Dark, hmm. uh, which is available on Kofi. You don't technically have to pay anything. But it, if I ran Blades of the Dark, I'd definitely give them... A Does it have a combat wheelchair? I believe that would be sorted out by Mustang Art, which I believe is... I can't remember his name. Um, no, sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that, that is a 68-page behemoth for us, which I make only passing reference to because I cannot possibly compete. But yeah, no, it's not a combat wheelchair. But that I do like, I do like a combat wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, pretty handy. Yeah, so that that's, that's coming out. That is available now. If you're interested in doing that sort of thing with Blades in the Dark, then uh, get along. Uh, that's at Kofi.com for uh, Blades in the Dark mobility equipment for Aurelia. Cool, cool, um, cool. Link in the show notes as always. Marvellous. Yeah. I do have a couple of other items. I don't know. Have I left okay. it too late? No. Let's go. Well, I know Unleash. Jeff- Unleash the news. Well, there is a potential unleashing going on, and it's looking pretty sweet for it. There is a solo journaling game so far. So a novel, but this one particularly caught my eye because it's graffiti and street art. Oh, yeah, Banksy the RPG. I mean, yeah, basically, it's I, it's hard to know. It has funded actually, so good job. Nice. It's from Zine Quest, which is based in Inverness in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's Zine Quest, as we like to say, as you like to call it. Yes, <laughs> uh, for 
Z-month or Z-month, if uh, <laughs> you're speaking in fluent Morrissey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's like a journaling game, two journaling game, two D ten journaling and sketching, and yeah, it looks very pretty. Mm-hmm. It's funded, so you can get yourself a PDF of playing it via itch.io for a mere ten or our English pounds, or they do a printed version which I, at £15, which is about $18, I suspect the uh, shipping will be separate. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm matching with that. But yeah, nice. it, it looks, looks looks pretty cool. So, you know, um, very well laid out, very well put together. Makes me feel confident in it. Anyway, so that's that's, uh, that's one of the things that, I love that. is around. Yeah. And sure. if we were talking about virtual tabletops, and I completely forgot about it, mm-hmm. but uh, Roleplay Maker recently announced... And they are supporting Ian Publishing and the Adventurous Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. And a lot of Ian Publishing stuff. That's pretty cool. Uh, they are producing um, a sort of... It's like a spell compendium online. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could grab spells and you put it in them. And then if you want to use them at the table, you can. Uh, it's actually pretty accessible from what I can make out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people... I've. I've asked people with stream readers to look at it, and they've said, yeah, it works. And the guy it's himself pretty, has... Yeah, it's quite pretty. Yeah, and nice, it's, yeah, yeah. slick looking, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's ticking a lot of boxes. And they're also working on print compatibility as well. Uh, this is from Nexus Game Theory, but the actual site itself is uh, roleplaymaker.com. Mm. So that is very cool. I'm liking it. And boy, howdy, do they have a lot of spells. Yeah, like 630. Uh, so, so what is well, it? Yeah. Like all of the 5 ESRT spells, all of the level uh, up three something SRT there. spells. Yeah, uh, spells from the Forgotten Bolt. To be fair, a lot of those are the same spells, though. Yeah, but but, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be the same as 5e. Yeah. you got the A5e versions, uh, and then you've got spells from Forgotten Vault, which was a product they specifically commissioned, which mm. has 111 spells Wow. Done by some of the designers from A5E. So that's pretty good. That's Purple Martin Games. Mm-hmm. I think they're north of 600, like you said. So it's pretty good. I, I believe, I believe, not sure, that may be more than you can get on D&D Beyond. Ooh. Which is nice. Anyway. Um, I think probably, yeah, because just the A5E spells is more than you can get on D&D Beyond, let alone yeah. any of the other things you would have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I never sat down and counted them all. But, like, this is, this is a lot of spells, so... Mm. It's a lot of spells, guys. I don't know. It's like, mm. if you like spells, then this is a place to look. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I right. do like spells. Mm. Hey, we put well, out a... place for you to look. We put out a little picture, promotional picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of Voidrunner's Codex, which is coming later this year. Oh. Mm-hmm. We've got a nice graphic um, illustrating all of the player heritages you can choose from. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. So, so there's a whole bunch of them. There are androids, which are very varied yeah. in both size and function. Axons, which are large, sort of ape-like creatures. Greys, oh, yeah, yeah. which are your standard small alien with a big head and telepathic oh, yeah, yeah. I see him, yeah, yeah. Um, Hauseki, who are made of crystal. Oh, uh, okay. Humans. The one wearing, I know I'm pretty at the back, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, That's the cool. one. Humans, yep. who uh, uh don't know what they are. don't know what humans are. Not heard no. of those. No, yeah. Hurok, which is... Um, that Space bloke at the front, right? <laughs> Klingon me, I suppose. Powered by I... adrenaline, they are. They've just got really, really powerful adrenaline glands. Oh, me too. So I get through the day. Uh, Keridani, constantly. who's mm-hmm. that insectoid chap towards the back left. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Nato, who's the reptilian one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and Cyphers, who's the little red lady little with, red the, with the hat and the giant spanner. Oh, what a cutie. Yeah. Yes. Well, what's the deal apart from hitting things with chance We've spanners? got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine different heritage to choose from in the Void Runners Codex. I do That's like playing androids because I like playing beep, 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 beep. emotionless and slightly creepy unintentionally, but definitely <laughs> intentionally from Jess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Suits my voice as well, as we mentioned. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Siri sort of vibe to me. Siri sort of vibe. How can I help you today, Russ and Peter? Would you like to know today's TTRPG news? Oh, yes, please. Have we got any more news or will we be done with the news? I have given you my burst. I do not have anything else to share with you. I think I'm done too, so. That's it. That's our news done for the day. We finally made it. We travelled far and long and faced terrible dangers. Months of walking up hills, down hills, through hills, round hills. Up some more hills, down some others. So many hills. And that's not to mention the swamps, the evil forest, the demon infested mine or the river of dead souls. But we are finally here at last. This arduous journey is over. We can complete our mission and save the 19 duchies. Oh, verily, my brave friends. Now then, young rogue, withdraw the amulet and cast it into the lake of fire, where it shall be destroyed forever and end this blight upon the realm. Yep, uh, hang on a sec. Uh... Uh, Do you remember the Goblin King and uh, uh, the Witch King and uh, the the Demon King and, and the Frost Giant King? Oh, my friend, I know. So many kings. What's with that? <sighs> I know not, but we escaped them all. Uh, a journey more epic, I cannot imagine. Friend Rogue, the amulet, let us complete our quest. Cast it into the fire with no delay. So, um, about that. What is it, young Rogue? Does the amulet cast a shadow across your mind, resisting your efforts to destroy it? Does it sap at your very soul? Hindering your actions. No, 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 it, 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 it's not that. Well then, draw it forth, brave companion. Rid yourself of this burden. Into the fiery lake it must go, and the twelve realms will be forever safe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that, um... Uh, just what, Stalwart Rogue? What, what ails you? I, I forgot it. What? What? I, uh, I... I forgot it. You forgot the cursed amulet of Avalor, the artifact we were tasked to bring here to the fiery lake and destroy forever? A quest for which we have journeyed long and far through dangers dark and terrible. Uh, y- yes. So, I mean, I I remember now, it, it was on the sideboard. And I, I said to myself, I must remember to pick that up before we leave. <laughs> hmm. On the sideboard. You left the cursed amulet of Avalor on the sideboard. Uh, yeah, that's that's about the rub of it. But, but what of the soul-sapping burden? You have been growing wearier and more despondent as the weeks have passed. Surely that was the effect of the amulet draining your spirit of will and good cheer. I, I, mean, I, I think I was just a bit hangry. Hangry? You know, angry because I was hungry. Hangry. So you were not oppressed by your ominous burden, not dispirited 
from the dark clouds within your heart? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think I just wanted a sandwich. But, but we have travelled so far, and, and so long, and have lost so much. So many dear friends lost to the enemy. So many sacrifices made. All in vain for the cursed island of Avalor is a... Uh, uh, on, on the sideboard. Sorry. Then I suppose, my friends, there's only one thing for it. What, we'll have to go back and get it? No. We'll throw the rogue into the fire. What? No, no, no! I never liked her anyway. Here, fancy a sandwich. <laughs> Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So today we're going to talk about currencies. Game metacurrencies in particular. And what do you mean by game metacurrencies? Yeah, metagaming and metacurrencies. They're basically points that you can give out and spend in a game. Here's a quiz. What do you think was the first gaming metacurrency, TTRPG metacurrency? Was it, was gold, did gold used to be XP? That's not what we're talking about, though. Actually, I, I no, don't know I, whether that I feel was, we have come adrift already. That's actually, record, that's, I think that fair. would actually sort of count. But, because um, gold was the thing you were getting narratively, but that represented XP externally. So in, in early editions of D&D, mm. thieves I, I, I think, got I think one XP for every gold they got. Yeah, yeah, because because the whole idea was like it wasn't so much about killing everything in the dungeon; it was looting and how you did that effectively and got away with yeah. it. Yeah, so which is actually D and D different different classes would get XP for different things, and these mm. would get gold, XP for getting gold. So am I right? Do I get a cookie? Well, kind of. That's not quite what we were referring to when we said metacurrency. I don't think though. Oh, you're doing the teacher thing where you're. I answer the question correctly, but you're like, "Mm, "That's not the answer I was looking for." And it's like, "Well, define your question better, (laughs) sir." Um, So we're talking about like you know um, hero points and brownies and um, they're called all sorts of different things in different games. Mm -hmm. Um, They they use different fate fate points, um, luck points, uh, uh, momentum. Inspiration, yeah, in, in different that games. Count as an Inspiration is a meta currency, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the first one, I believe, was mm-hmm. West End Games Ghostbusters RPG with brownies, brownie points that you could earn. Mm. I think that would have been the first one. I'm not sure, but off the top of my head, I think that might have been the first meta currency, which is back in the 80s. Which game was this in? Sorry. Well, someone will immediately write in and tell me I'm wrong. But Ghostbusters, West End Games. So, so traditionally, brownie points is regarded as the first meta currency. But I have to say, I'm like liking gold for XP. Although, I don't think you can spend. For for me, we should probably define it. And for me, I wouldn't have regarded gold for XP as a meta currency mm. solely because a meta currency is something you earn in game, and then you can spend it to mm-hmm. affect the game whilst you're playing it. Yeah. 
I suppose you could save your I, could, your I could keep arguing because I'd use my gold to buy equipment. I'd hmm. use it to buy equipment and that affects the yeah. game. And Yeah, okay. But that's just a currency at that point, not a meta currency. I know. No, I'm, currency like, I, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> you just get gold and then spend the gold. Just, that's just to be currency. clear, I don't fully believe this. I was just trying to push it further to see how far I could go. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it traditionally would count, but that's. I just thought it was an interesting take because, kind of in a it's way, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I yeah. don't. I don't. I wouldn't count it. As I, I, okay. I've never been clear though on like you just have to get. Do you have to get the gold back to civilization and? Them hit you into magic XP hopper. I, I don't know. I've... When you spend it, does it go down? Does your I can't remember. I think it's never... as you acquire it, but I can't. It's been so long ago. The only version mm. of D and D I've played is fifth edition, so I didn't really mm. have that as a thing. Yeah. And I don't like I... the concept of it because the mm. game purely becomes about money, finding money, and like whilst yeah. that can be part of a campaign, and that can sure yeah. that can be your character's motivation. I think there's yeah. so many other interesting reasons to go on a quest. Like maybe you want to cast a ring into the fire or something. You know. Tell me yeah, that like, Frodo didn't get some XP from doing that. Yeah, I, I, well, well, precisely. Even though he's lost a valuable magic item, exactly. Right, you know, what kind? Of, what kind of roleplay heavy shenanigans is this? Like, you know, we're here to play games, people. And he didn't get paid. <laughs> hey, well, well, precisely. So it's like the never doing anything before money versus the I kill absolutely everything because everything has an XP value. Yeah. Looking at you, third edition here, over the top of the glasses, shaking yes. our heads is disappointment. Um, although I believe well. if you've got sufficiently high level, things stop being worth XP, which is mm. much like how Pathfinder Second Edition does it. We digress. So, so let's see if we can like, think of how many um, meta currencies we can actually think of. So, what? Oh, there's so many though. Let's take friends. There are many. Well, we're, not, we're not going to get them all, but um, fate points, inspiration, bennies. Yep. I was thinking fate points. What's the two D twenty one? Oh, uh, Doom. Doom and or Momentum, I think it's called in yeah, some of the games. That's it. Yeah, they yeah, changed Momentum. the name of it, don't they? Yeah, that's the Modifius stuff. Um, yeah. The fate points I was specifically referring to was in the uh, Dark Heresy family. Mm-hmm. There may be fate points in other systems. I just can't remember what they are. Mm-hmm. Relationship dice. What I can't remember if that's the exact name. The 13th Age. Oh, okay. I'm like, good at that. If you rolled like a five or a six or something, you had a good relationship with your... Pa- with your not patron. Come mm. on. Uh, like the 13 deities that are in charge in your setting. Or Spiritual sugar daddy. So. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, that's the, fi- that's uh... the official name, I believe. Stuff like the Archmage, who's like an iconic icon. Icons. There we go. Last word. There we go. Of the 13th age. And you get stuff there. Uh, like sometimes they're called story points. Drama dice in Seventh Seas. Yeah. yeah. Star Wars yeah. had force points. Alien oh. RPG has story points. Yeah. Um, yeah story points. That's a good point. Um, like Call the, of Cthulhu has like luck and willpower that can sort of be used as a meta currency because they refill, but the GM doesn't give them out. to you, do they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 like I suppose the GM has to kind of give them to you for it to count, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah your, I, fate, okay. your fate points in Woofer Up as well, Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that also, is new has luck points. True, true. Oh, uh, Fighting Fantasy had luck points as well. Yeah, that yeah. might have been a guess so, I'd have made. So they're pretty common then. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty common. Um, yeah. Lots and lots of games. And obviously Ghostbusters with its brownie points, which we think might be the first one. Um, mm. And I have noticed that people are very strongly opinionated about meta currencies. Some oh. people really hate them. Yes. Other people really like them. Yes. There's definitely a player agency thing. And I think some people really don't like the idea of sort of like players being able to affect the 
seeing all the plot and stuff. That's entirely what an RPG Especially, is. Mm, well, oh, some RPGs. Um, there's different yeah. styles of RPGs. Yeah. You know, there's a style of RPGing where you've got the GM is God and the players can't affect the, um, you know, can't sort of overrule the GM. Oh, no, but, but like meta currencies, you kind of can. You can you can sort of spend spend the meta currency to make something happen, which normally would be in the GM's purview. To but I think that's that. I, I would maybe just to argue with you. Um, I think that would still comes down to the GM's ruling because even if I hmm. want to do a thing with some meta currency, I I can't overrule the GM. Do you know uh, what I mean? It's kind of like um, is it Fiasco? Where mm-hmm. you well, you've got no just... GM in Fiasco. Oh, yeah. it, was, it might not be Fiasco. Was it? Uh, no, it's not a fiasco. Um, Feng Shui. Oh, yeah. Robin Law's game, Feng Shui, where the players oh. can literally, like, place things in the scene by, spe- yeah. by spending resources. Is that not exalted as well? Whether the GM wants them to or not, they, they literally can. But, mm-hmm. but equally... They, they can say, okay, there is a barrel of oil over there, mm-hmm. and, sure. and then there is one. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a sort of GM, uh, player agency overruling the GM type thing, I mean. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the, the the thing is, it just does depend. Like for a lot of games, like some. The thing is, I always forget that my experience as a GM is actually fairly unusual because I play with a lot of different people. Some people play with their group of ten years, and they're like, "Well, why would I need this meta currency thing?" It's just like they say, "Yeah, this is this is how it works," and I say, "Yeah, sure, that's how it works." Like you know, um, like yeah, there's a barrel of oil over there. Yeah, that's good. Or there's well, I want to see if the big bad evil guy has left a co- uh, an imprint of their secret plan by accident on a notepad they were using. And people are like, yeah, sure, that, that, that works. And that's fine if you know everyone, or maybe if you don't, but, you know, it's like not everyone has played in the same group for, like, years and years, and sometimes people need to be able to do stuff. And some people like the more hierarchical, like, the GM is the final authority in things. And that's fine. Like... I, I personally prefer a flatter hierarchy. Distribute that authorial control. But yeah. I think I do as well. I mean, somebody needs to say yes or no in the end. There. Somebody mm. needs to be mm. the, the adjudicator. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, that's mm. the right word. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I think most games should be a back and forth of, you know, because of the way... A dialogue, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose the question then is whether that is just a social thing or whether that is something that should be encoded in the game rules via a meta currency, I guess, is, is, is the question there then. Well, the thing is about any rule in an RPG, if you're trying to put in a rule to prevent bad behaviour at the table, somebody will find a way around it. You cannot have rules for every single situation because if somebody approaches a rule in bad faith to abuse it in some way they're going to do that no matter what I, d- I don't think they're there to prevent bad faith I yeah. mean, well no but I mean, you know what I mean there's, there's an idea yeah, yeah currencies for me are very much about positive reinforcement mm. yes yeah. especially, especially if the available has DM fiat mm-hmm. like if if, uh, if someone does something I like I'm like yeah that was cool yeah have a shiny so I think like 2d20 is kind of quite specific when you gain them, isn't it? It's um, dependent well, on how you roll other things is how you gain the meta currency. If like, yeah, I thought, yeah. we've been playing this Star Trek game, but it's been like three months since the last session. I've kind of forgotten that a little I've bit. Two months. <laughs> I hope you can get a session in February. But yeah, yeah like uh, it's rolling dice. It's choosing to give the GM stuff or the, it depends on mm. the results on the dice. Uh, whether you fill up your momentum pool or not, yeah, which is which is by doing things, which yeah. is you know good, yeah, because uh, I mean I think there's an incentive to try and do things like things yeah. like the Thirteenth Age escalation dice, always be escalating, 
Uh, is a great oh, that's motto a for every rule. game. I'm not sure yeah. the meta currency. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant rule with the escalation oh. die. I like that a lot. But but I think people use meta currencies because they like that idea of the always mm. be escalating without having the need for an escalation dice. Because mm. not everyone uses a d20 plus a like a stat bonus. If mm. you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of like like uh, meta currency like in our level up game. We've got inspiration, mm. like D and D has, but it's tied yeah. to um, destiny. So it's yes. when you do certain types of actions tied to your destiny, which yes. is re- our kind of replacement for alignment, yes. that you you gain um, inspiration for, yes. and you can obviously spend that. Um, so that's mm. that's a, that's a definitely a meta currency. Oh, ab- absolutely. Otherwise, I don't think Level Up has any official meta currency apart from other that, than that. Which, no, yeah, yeah. No. Um, but that's because I mean, it's similar to five E, isn't it? So. How many more? Does uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, five E technically. If you play to your your traits, your ideals, your bonds, your flaws, um, you should get inspiration for that. You should, yeah. you should get inspiration, right? I can say, out of every single time I have attempted this, I have never received inspiration. I'm like, but the rules say can I have inspiration? I'm like, no. I was like, okay. No, I am sad. I really do think. I really do think inspiration gets kind of forgotten about a lot in 5e. In my experience, mm. I get it from the GM when I do or say something funny that makes the GM laugh. Mm. Or if somebody on the table thinks of a really clever solution, like say there's a trap or a puzzle, and you know somebody yeah. comes up with something that's better than what the GM had planned, and the GM sat there going, yeah, that works. They're like, yes, that does work. Here, have an inspiration. So it's very much mm. like well done, have a cookie sort yeah. of situation. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah. they originally called brownie points. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think there's there's, a, there's uh, an argument that sometimes if you're rewarding players for being funny and stuff, though, that is a little favoritism. You know, if you've got sort of like shyer players who, yeah. you know, aren't so likely to be cracking jokes at the table, that's maybe a little unfair on them, maybe. With inspiration and shyer players, this can actually be good because when you have a shyer player, you can encourage them to do more by offering them inspiration if they'll just, like, push themselves a little bit. Like, like yeah, even if they're just, like, normally, oh, I don't know, I'll just roll my dice. But some players don't want to be pushed, though. But you can, but that's why it's a mm-hmm. kind thing to do. You can offer it and say, well, if you'd like to, what's your battle cry? Mm-hmm. Shiny inspiration. And normally this is in person where I'm smiling at someone and holding up a shiny glass bead because I know that players love shiny things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in the dice goblin Jess is just giving me so much attention right now it's like yeah tell me more of this shiny way I can cry a shiny a shiny pebble <laughs> a shiny pebble shiny pebble and 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 you, 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 little bit of you can have it yeah and just anything anything like even rawr it's like yeah good stuff and mm. that's like a way you positively reinforce people to like try and try a bit more absolutely uh, whereas whereas Russ Russ is going to have to work hard for inspiration Mm-mm-mm. nah nah he he's 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 done too much too long to, for me to give inspiration to him easily. So it's like yeah. So it's like that's a sort of a form of differentiation. Like it is different um, sort of barriers for different people, but it's sort of meeting them at where they're at. Like mm, I, yeah. I, I I expect to work hard for my inspiration because yeah. I'm very confident and I'm. Quite, I don't know. It kind of just reminds me too much of using a clicker with a dog, though. I mean, that's exactly I mean, what it got, is. Maybe because I've got dogs. That's 100% kind of, that's, what it is, though. That's kind of how it makes me feel a little bit when, when someone's doing that. But, for, but, but, like, good boy, to, do, do the thing I want you to do. Click, there you but, go. But you know, I feel, as a GM, that's what I would. That's the sort of thing I use it for. 
Um, and mm. usually it's for, yeah. and when I said just to go back, doing something funny at the table, usually I mean yeah. like narratively it's done something that the party mm. has enjoyed and added something to the narrative and the story. Yeah. Um, because the main thing I think a lot of people use it for is when people are doing the things the story wants to do, which could mm-hmm. be you solve the really cool trap in a weird way so it's progressed yeah. the story, or you're engaging with the story in a specific way. And it yeah. is exactly what you said, Russ. It is a little clicker treat. I, mm. I mean, like... This is also good pedagogy, as in good ways that you teach humans how to do stuff as well. Like, it's not just for dogs, but I mean, like, I guess it's very obvious for people, because there are more dog owners than teachers, or people familiar with good teaching methods. How about that? That, that make, does that make you feel I'll a bit better about it? good teaching methods, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm. it's like, uh, just like, if you shout at, if you shout at, I don't, I don't, or know, I don't know someone that for play, play, play this game the way I want you to is teaching them something though. It's just teaching them to play it the way you want them to, but maybe that's not the way they want to play it. When I say the way you want to, um, it's generally as the GM, I think you're trying to tell a story for the group and adjudicate that. Mm-hmm. So it's telling the story that the group wants to tell. So generally, when an individual's coming in and doing something that moves the group and does something, I that's what I, I mean how it, it. That, that tends to make me feel just a little bit. I prefer it, it tied more mechanically to the game than yeah. good than good boy. I, I don't well, like the well, good boy aspect well, of it. That's your choice of destiny, and I do stuff like I write things down. Like if you do this sort of thing, I will give you. In, in my case, with level up specifically, I use expertise dice. Which obviously isn't rules as written, but it's like it's just my way of giving people like a small bonus, um, like to reward them Peter, for like doing cool, cool ideas. It's yeah. not rules as written. We have a oh. whole episode arguing about this. <laughs> You're secretly cool. I knew it. <laughs> a little consistency is the hobgoblin with a little mind. Effect, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, it's like I, I do try and write this stuff down. Say so yeah. if you do these sorts of things, because I'm a player too. And yeah. I want to be entertained by what's going on. And if the tone takes a shift to, I don't know, extreme goofiness. Yeah. Extreme silliness. I don't enjoy that so much. I start feeling, well, this is all a bit so stupid. Maybe, should there be a reverse meta currency though, where the players can give the GM meta currency if they're entertaining enough? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't really need mechanical benefits to do stuff. Um, I think I, I've got a card somewhere which says, I'm the GM, I can do what I want, right? Depends, <laughs> depends, on, depends on what the, what the rules of the game say. If you had a game that says you can't... Uh, I think I think rule zero says that I can do what I want for us. Nah, maybe but maybe, maybe there's rule zero in a game that says you can't. Well, that, that's very different because I know I, I ran it last weekend again. I knew I spoke mm. about it last week, but Ten Candles does that exact thing. At the beginning of the game, mm. you're rolling um, not just for like success, but for narrative mm. control. So yeah. at the beginning of the game, the players have all the narrative controls. So they'll roll. Mm. Yeah. At the beginning, I have zero dice and they have ten. So I they obviously mm. beat me. Uh, and mm. so every time there's an unknown thing, they get to narrate they what happens. They get more and more control. So I have oh, zero. Control, sorry. And then, yeah, yeah, as sorry. the game goes yeah. on, by the time they're rolling one dice and I have nine, guess who's mm. statistically more likely to win? Mm. So, But there's a chance. I mean, yes, but yeah, that's it. As yeah. long as there's a candle burning, there's hope. But we will uh, blow uh, it out. Like um, Why? Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I have seen with my own eyes people say, if you're not saying yes um, every couple of minutes as a GM, then you're a bad GM. People honestly believe that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure <laughs> I would make it that rule. So it's like, it's a way to influence things in a way that you want it, because otherwise you're railroading people. Mm-hmm. Here, you have, I'm not saying, okay, because you've got positive and negative reinforcement. 
positive reinforcement is people do something I that you, you are I don't liking. think we are. Okay, I, I understand yeah, but, what you're saying. But, 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 but bad GMing is punishing people for doing stuff that you don't want. And you're not punishing them. It's just like, things will be a little bit harder. Why do you think you don't like it, Russ, though? Because I think, because I feel, because yeah. the only thing I would think some people might not like it because like it, it feels like manipulation, but because it's entirely transparent and it's a rule and it's like, hey, I this just is kind how of feel it like it's, it's kind of like perform for me. Yeah. Sure. Dance, monkey, dance, that sort of thing. I don't like that. I don't like But you, have, you don't what have to pray dance. tell am I doing as a GM? I don't understand the question. Yours, like, oh, I don't like this as a player I'm having to perform for the GM. The GM is constantly performing for the players. Do a okay. different voice for that NPC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I, should give, I should give the GM meta currency whenever they do a good voice. Yeah. I, I, mean, know, I mean, it's not. Uh, I mean, that's not actually a terrible idea, to be fair. Like, just a way to let uh, GMs know that they're on the right track. But, I mean, it's all about the feedback because the GM is a player, but they have a different role in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, normally, the only feedback you get as a GM is after the session. But the thing is, positive reinforcement is, like, right in the moment. Mm. And it is considered bad form to give the GM their traditional merit currency of thanks and praise. Good game. Doing that in the middle of the game would be really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Agreed. And, and that makes it less effective. Positive reinforcement, like, you know, you want it to be, like, do the action, get the reinforcement. And that, that is just easier, Yeah. I understand, give, I understand you, Peter. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just objecting to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're objecting to not understanding you, and you have to just explain it so I agree with you. I do understand you. You're, 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 but you seem to be objecting because um, you don't think that the GM. It's how it should... makes me feel. I'm telling you how it makes you feel. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it feels bad. I'm just trying to mm. understand why it makes you feel bad. Okay. Why, why does it make you feel bad? I can't think of another way to explain it other than the way I've said it, though. It just yeah, feels it, like I'm being. Feels like a dog clicker demanding that I perform. Sit, boy. You know that sort of thing. Do you not normally feel a bit like you're performing when you're doing a role playing game anyway? Because I always feel a little bit like I am. Like not to the detriment of my. But I'm performing by choice. I'm not. not, Someone's not trying to. Coerce is the wrong word. It's really the wrong word. I know. I think I get what you mean. It almost feels a bit manipulative in a way. Mm. Maybe that's too strong a word. Yeah, it is too strong a word. It is too strong a word. There is judgment being expressed, but that has sort of, to an extent, always been the case in tabletop RPGs. Like, you know, you used to get extra XP for, like, doing the thing right. And, like, you know, that's not hugely effective. But, well, yeah, I suppose like, XP, in a way, has been used in... Well, I suppose it's not a medical because you can't spend it, but definitely yeah. people have been rewarded with XP for... Yeah. Certainly in early editions of D&D for, for doing, yeah. playing in certain ways and doing certain things. I, I mean, I guess, is meta currency there solely to reward um, play that you wish to see? But though there are different functions of it. There's definitely There's functions of it for building one. tension, for example. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is the alien kind of meta currency style mm. thing. Or, or again, for just for giving players agency, which is kind of a luck style meta currency yeah. type of thing. You know, so there's different functions or of it. Pushing yourself in Call of Cthulhu. As in, mm. or maybe even a devil's bargain in Blades in the Dark, where you do, you get advantage now, but you'll pay later. Mm. The credit card sort of meta currency. Yeah, yeah. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not against meta currency at all. I put no, them no. in my own games. You know? you're, against, yeah, yeah. you're against meta currency yeah. being used to influence the game so that you, as a GM, have a better. Time. I don't think. I, th- I think what it is when it's when it infringes on the social interaction. Right. I don't. I start to dislike it. How do you mean? Can- 
I can't, I can't explain it any other I way th- I already I have done. I, I, I think just, I get I where you're coming from. I think I, same, from. I, think I said the same thing in lots of different ways, and you're still yeah. saying, how do you mean? So, I, well, that, that means that I don't understand it. So. I know, but I can't think of another way to explain it. I, I think like, I, my best I, rhetorical I, skills to explain it, and I obviously haven't gotten it across. I think I get where you're coming from, and to give a different point of view... Mm. Um, with the social side of things, because I think you were saying it feels like you're being made to perform. It feels like some sort of coercion. Mm. For mm. me, when well, I do agree, coercion is too strong a word. Yeah, That's no, not, I know no. you're not meaning that yeah. far. It's like, oh my gosh, how dare you? But like, I, encouragement. I, that is, is where I've yeah, used. yeah. I, I think I got you coming from. From mm. my perspective, I don't see it that way because the way I see it, when I'm in a role playing game, one thing I look, and this is speaking specifically to the social elements of it, like nothing else. And mm. um, when I'm playing a character in a game. The other play, and this is for the players. They're playing different characters, and I want mm-hmm. to support them doing their character arc. So sometimes I know their character mm-hmm. wants a specific moment. So if I can make, as long as it's not completely ridiculous in the narrative, for my character to do that, I as a player mm-hmm. will make my character lean into that moment. So I know that that other player can pick it up and have that character mm-hmm. moment. Because I see my job mm-hmm. on the table and being a good player is supporting other people, having fun, and getting to tell their story mm-hmm. that they want to do. Yeah. In the way, meta currency is a way for the me to lean into the GM story and the story they want to tell in the same way. So it's not like they're being... Mm. So the other player with like isn't forcing me to do that social interaction. I'm choosing to lean into it oh. and let them have that moment. And I feel meta-currency is almost a way for me to lean into the GM's narrative and the story they're trying to tell and they mm-hmm. can reward me for that. So that is just their system say, hey, mm. this is the thing I want. Like between players, yeah. obviously that's different in a social interaction. But for me, I see it more in that way. And it's an option for me to lean yeah. in because if I don't want to do whatever the thing is, if I don't want to dance... Well, why can't you do that without the meta currency though? What do you mean? How do you know? And you can still lean into what the GM wants without the meta currency. Yeah, absolutely. If there's, an obvious sto- you- if there's a story the GM's telling, um, you can lean into that story without a meta currency. 100%. For- but here's the yes. question. But can I just reply to that directly? Um, 100%, yeah, you can lean into it without the meta-currency, but the meta-currency is a way to support that as a mechanical way so that there is a feedback yeah. system in place. Like with any yeah. rule, mm-hmm. of course you could you could find a way to resolve it without that rule, but that rule was built to help support that function. Mm. You know what, I think that is probably why uh, groups that are gaming together a long time don't see the need for it, mm-hmm. because they already understand where each other are coming from. Mm. So... Um, you're like, why Why would I need any hints about which way the GM would like the story to go? Russ, I can tell you for a fact, you do not know which way I wanted that story to go, right? Like, story. Um, like when we were when I was running some A5E for you, you were not... I mean, maybe you did, and maybe you were just choosing to do something else, but I, I didn't really get that sense. So, like, a meta-currency would be my way to say, you're doing this thing, um, bing, yes, you're going in the right direction. And it's not like an in-game thing. Because sometimes, like, because you get an in-game reward for in-game behavior, that is good. And this is technically sort of like a sort of semi-in-game reward. Because if you just go one way and, like, it's where I want you to go and you find a magic healing fountain, then, yeah, that's good. But what if magic healing fountain is a trap and I want you to think about it? It's just, ah, oh, I'm now running into the same problem of trying to communicate. But what if I don't want to think about it? Then what you don't, you don't have to. to think- <laughs> yeah. You don't have to have a cookie. Yeah. Exactly. Cookies but are optional. Like, you won't die without a cookie. You want you want a cookie whether or not you think about it. No, I just You're I entitled to cookies. That's the problem with this generation. <laughs> they think they I shouldn't have I to don't... engage with the narrative and they still get I a cookie. No, no, strike no. the work. Meta currencies less when they're rewarding behaviour and when they're just kind of more of a 
Just you need like, a certain set of mechanical conditions. Yeah. Like, like Destiny. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a small character, like there's a large one, and you're like, come on then, I'll have you, uh, blam, inspiration. Yeah, that's yeah, fair that's, enough. That, that, that is, might yeah. be a personal preference thing. Yeah. But it's I, interesting. I, I, that's all, that's, all, that's all, all of this is, yes. isn't it? It's personal yeah. preference. But, I, I mean, that's very much what I'm working to, which is I say, here is a list of things where if these conditions are met, you will most likely get it. I mean, it's the question is whether I as a GM am writing down this list or whether a game designer who hasn't met the group. Okay, let's take it from another perspective yeah. then. What, what would your list have on it? I mean, not well, the whole list, but a short, a short version. Well, 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 this is sort of, I think, the genesis of why I start thinking about modal play, because I realised that I would like my fights to be really whoosha, over-the-top description, in the full exalted, like, I jump off a wall overhead, and then bam, summon the kidneys. Yeah! Because uh, it looks showy and amazing. So I really mm-hmm. like that. Bing, you get some metacurrency, yeah? Okay. I like my exploration to be really gritty and careful for you to describe how you're carefully reaching out, grabbing rocks, like how you're tying up a proper rope, drawing in outer character knowledge. Like, for instance, I didn't know that it's actually fairly easy to walk across two ropes that are slung parallel together. That's actually a thing you can do. I was like, is that is that even possible? And the guy who's like, you know, head of cheerleading for a bunch of things said yeah that's so much easier that's really easy i'm like oh today i have learned so i'm sort of learning something but that's a very different sort of thing so it's like the exploration i really like the emphasis on safety the equipment the interaction with the environment even though five minutes earlier if you jump off a wall and over someone's head then you've also got inspiration but if you tried that to get over a pit it would be harder so basically you're using it to encourage a very specific style of gameplay that you personally like yes but that's just the players entertaining you, then, surely. I am also a player. But all of the players are geared around entertaining one of the players. But the players are consenting to to do that game. They're consenting to be in Peter's yeah. game and to play that style of game. And if they yeah. really don't, then they don't have to lean in and engage with it in that way. Yeah, they, they, they can do something else, and that's fine. It's just you won't have like a little bonus to it. I'm not going to apply penalties to you. Because that would be punishing you for doing stuff, which you're doing off your own free will, and that would be anti-agency, and I would be against that. I also do a similar thing. Like I would like mm. to reward with metacurrency players that are mm. doing the style of game that I'm liking, and it'll be different depending on the mm. style of game I'm doing. But generally, mm. when I run a game, I will have a particular vibe I want for it. Like If we're doing a horror game, I'll go and say, hey, mm. this is going to be the tone of the game, this is what I'd like us to do. Mm. And before I run horror games as well, I always say, hey... When things get a bit tense and things get a bit scary, the human thing we all want to do is make a joke to break the tension. I'm going to ask everyone to not do that because if we sit in that uncomfortability Mm. and that tension, we're going to have a different Mm. style of game that I hope you enjoy. And so I kind of, I set the the stall out from the beginning. Some people don't want to play that type of game and that's absolutely fine. Um, But like I put that out and then if people are engaging in behaviours that are leaning into that, I want to to Mm. reward that. Yeah, I guess... Okay, so I mean, I'd, I'd agree okay. that as long as everyone's on board and everyone agrees yeah. in advance and knows before the game that that is how it's going to be. Oh, absolutely, yeah, as with everything, consent is always If you're comfortable king. with that, you're comfortable with that and that is totally fine. Yeah. yeah. I think if you turn up at a game and suddenly find that someone's doing that and you're like, oh, well, what do I do, just go home or do I just have to sit through this and play it even though I'm uncomfortable with that? 
Um, okay. You know, so I guess as long as you've got... Well, it's a session zero, isn't it? That's, that's mm. the answer. Yeah. It's a session Very zero. Much. But that also said, sure. I do say to anyone coming to my tables, if for any reason you're not enjoying the game and you want to leave, you can mm. just leave. And you don't no, even have to explain to me no, why. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bit of a social load, though, isn't it? Just saying, oh, you can just go home then. It's kind of... Especially if they travel to get there or, or you know... No, no, I don't mean that way. I just mean that, like, if... Um, because I ran a game on the weekend for some, mm. some people that I hadn't mm. really met before. They're friends of a friend, and they wanted to try this game. They'd not done heavy mm-hmm. narrative games before, and they wanted to try it. And I said, hey, this is what it's going to be. And they knew in advance, but I just say, hey, if, if you're in the middle of it, because I know you wanted to try it, and you're not enjoying it, do feel free to go and, and sit in the other room and just not engage with it. Because what I don't mm. want somebody to do is sit there and be not enjoying a game and feel like they mm. have to stay out of a social contract. I can always, mm. as a GM, find a workaround for why that player's gone or, or make compensations for it. So that's where I say it. I think mm. the issue I might have is that that thing was I do say what I mean and other people don't believe me because they think I'm doing being polite mm. and social niceties, but I don't do mm. that. I genuinely, if I say it, it's good. Mm. <laughs> if mm. I tell you it's fine, it is yeah. fine. I've, I think, yeah. if, if, if I may, then you've really nailed why i do this because running i I tend to run a lot of games a lot of different games and so forth and if i'm not having a good time right i don't want to run the game anymore well that's the same for anyone though but Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 different russ if you're running the game if you're i have run games before peter (laughs) yeah i understand this well you're saying that but i'm saying if i don't enjoy running the game i don't want to run it and And i said yes i agree yeah and if i don't want to do a thing i won't do the thing Okay, and I agree. But it's so yeah. much so, harder socially to step away from the table as the GM because you're ending everyone's yeah. game. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like if I get up and leave in the middle of the session because I'm not enjoying it, that would be regarded as like being a faux pas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, you're kind of post, yeah. 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 So there's, so there's a pressure, so there's extra pressure and extra mm-hmm. responsibilities on me. Yeah. Because, but I'm also a player, so... I also need to be entertained, and sure, I, I understand. Need to you keep going. saying that. I get that. I mean, I understand. You, you, you keep saying you understand that. I do understand, and yet that. you keep saying that I should also be running a game that I do not enjoy because I've it would never make you uncomfortable. That. I have not said that. That's words that you have just put in my mouth. Did not that say true. that at all. Never okay. said that. That is true. You can go okay. back through this podcast and find me saying that. I did not say that. Okay, so um, I guess the question is: if you don't know a group of people very well, mm-hmm. which is yeah, your ideal use for meta currencies. Mm-hmm. And you want to encourage a style of game mm-hmm. that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. If we don't have meta currency to give out to show that you as GM are like, yes, good job, you players, you are on the right track. How can I, as a GM, communicate with my players that I like what they're doing? I think it's a session zero thing, and you just all need to be on board with the style of game you want to play. I think is the way to do it. I mean, absolutely like that is good mm-hmm. so like essentially you have a meeting at the start of a campaign mm-hmm. but and yeah everyone agrees but if you have that and it rolls forwards and things change from a style that you're mm-hmm. happy with like for instance sometimes people join sessions uh, mm-hmm. or sometimes they change characters i had one person in one of my old 5e campaigns um he started off playing a a rogue and then he decided that was boring. HHO to, to a warlock. Session Zero doesn't have to be one off event, though. It can be an ongoing event. Yeah, I mean, you can you run. You can always multiple. have Session Zero running in the background, having having a meta conversation about the game when you're not actually 
at the table. And almost in a I, way, I mean, it would be so helpful mm. if there was a way, like mechanically in the game, so you could have that meta conversation without having yeah, to talk right, about right. it. Yeah, all right, all right. Oh my Sarcasm. goodness! Sarcasm. <laughs> oh, 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 damn. I'm sorry. I just saw the garden path, and I was like, I'm going to yeah. walk down it. But yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think it's interesting. Sure. It, it depends on perspectives, and like you say, it can just be a preference thing. Um, yeah. And the great um, thing about meta currencies, like the way Peter was saying about using them, using them to reward players, is it's a bonus if you do the thing. But if you don't want to do the thing, there's no penalty. You can absolutely do whatever thing you want to do. Yeah, I, I would I would add to this and say that meta gaming is good actually. Yeah, in some aspects, I do think yeah. that because I, I like like. Yeah, as you're saying, Russ, like we should be having, you know, indeed, uh, we should be having this conversation about it. Um, the thing is, one of the things I really value in a game is being able to immerse and be in character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that for me, that is what I am trying to achieve with my games. I want people to be immersed. I want to be having the appropriate emotional experiences for what I believe to be the case at the time. And, Having to stop and say, oh, I really liked what you did there, Russ. Um, yeah, uh, Hagrid, your barbarian, is that, I really thought that was uh, spot on. And then go back to the game. That's breaking the game for me, if I can just say, oh, nice one. Um, for you an inspiration. Then, I don't see how that's yeah. any different, at least to me. If I if I stop the game to say that I really like what you did there. You stop the game. You can make an offhand comment, which takes as long as it takes to hand someone an inspiration dice. I don't even have to say anything. To give, you give them a wink. Give them a wink instead. That could be misinterpreted. I'm, I'm not going to wink. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not going to wink at people across the table from me. Like the Morris is an official tabletop RPG. Talk does not endorse I... endorse the use of winking as a means to encourage other players to play your game. Maybe this is a different experiences, uh, a gendered yeah, experience yeah. we have from running games at conventions. But I will not be winking at players across the table because I I'm feel not really good at winking anyway. Just do a, do a blink with both eyes to scare your players. My winks just look like I'm in pain. And I, I hear you what you're have, saying, Russ. There, there are absolutely non-mechanical <laughs> ways yeah. to encourage players. Like when I was doing more narrative play, there's a, a section in, I, I mean, I'm going back to it because I did recently run it, in 10 Candles where they go through and they make statements that which is true and people on the spot have to come up with something and make a statement. And in the first rounds, especially with mm. new players at narrative, I do do words mm. of affirmation after all of them. I just go, yes, good. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. interesting and did it so there are obviously social ways to do that yeah. but sometimes you know rules are there to help support social things because rpgs are inherently a very social thing we're all sitting around a table mm. telling a story together doing a thing together so there's so many social things that will come in but the rules are there to kind of back it up and give it some structure and metacurrency is another way to do that if sure. people yeah. feel they don't need them and can do that socially great yeah. Yeah, I mean, met- metagaming and metacurrency, these are good mm-hmm. when you're using them to enhance the enjoyment of the other players. But we've only Absolutely. really talked about one aspect of metacurrency. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there is definitely the player agency kind mm-hmm. of player um, ability narrative to affect control. the scene, just yeah. narrative control yeah. aspect mm-hmm. of it, which is mm-hmm. an equally big side of it. Mm-hmm. Which is so fun with, yeah. Yeah, and, and probably, um, you know, it's probably the way it's most often used, I imagine. Um, certainly with um, fate points and stuff like that, and um, brownie points and um, things like that. Yeah. Mm. So well, fate, fate points and inspiration and stuff, that's re-rolling stuff. So mm. uh, if we're talking about narrative control, like deciding what's in the scene, deciding how something goes. Well, narrative, narrative control is like improving the odds. It's still narrative control. If you say, oh, right, okay. on this attack, yeah, okay, I'm yeah. going to use my metacurrency to increase the chances of my... Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh sorry. I, I'm thinking narrative control has in... 
literal narration and describing the scene. Yeah, degree, the degrees of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. degrees yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. But um, but yeah. So if you got luck dice and you add an extra couple of dice because out of your meta currency, hmm. that's kind of player agency saying I'm I'm going to influence this scene in this way. I'm going to make this thing more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By choice, by spending some of this meta currency I saved up. Yeah. So that's a different kind of use of it. Isn't I, re- it? I remember luck is very controversial. Like the 5e luck feat, a lot of GMs hate it. It's, mm. yeah, and it's even... not allowed at my, at my table no? <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah. The table I play at. Yeah. Which is and fair enough. Like... GM from says, hey, pick any feat you want. Don't take the luck feat, please. And it's like, mm. fair. Uh, it's like fair. they spent a whole damn feat on it. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty significant, it seems to me. But, yeah. A 2d20 does have the GM having the meta currency as well. Modifius is one. The players get it and the GM gets it and both oh, can really? spend it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Doom. Yeah, yeah. But it's very tied to mechanics, though. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, you don't, it's not, it's, uh, I can't remember how, how do you get, how do you get the Doom or the momentum, whatever, in 2d20? You so, make so certain rolls, don't you? You get, you get the momentum by mm-hmm. rolling the dice and getting certain numbers, like critting, yeah. I think. And like every success you get over your target number, hmm. like because it, it it's supposed to roll equal to or under the number, mm. and if you roll like a one or is it equal to? I can't remember. It's been a while, but basically you get more successes, which is often connected to more dice, mm. um, and that gives you momentum. If you don't have any momentum, you're actually quite unlikely to be able to succeed at a lot of stuff. So you would take Doom instead, which is similar to the push your luck feat from the push your luck uh, rule from Call of Cthulhu, where you mm-hmm. or Devil's Bargain, where you give the DM like a point of Doom to start with, mm. that gives you extra dice, and then you roll that, and from that you may be able to derive extra momentum. Mm. Yeah, like we we tend to have it quite easy because both myself and Jess, not this Jess, other Jess, yeah, um, have a. You, I don't remember this. Uh, we, we've got those like young lieutenant feats or something. So we can just, I can't remember exactly how it works, but basically we end up with stacks of momentum if we do something goofy and stupid, mm. which happens quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and then like other characters can use this momentum and perhaps they will also gain extra successes. Yeah. So, it works uh, a bit like the escalation die in that sense, doesn't it? As the com- as an encounter goes on, the momentum dice build up and things get more and more likely to succeed in a way. So the, the rolls get higher. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're succeeding, if you have a bad luck, you could just end up having used up all your momentum mm. and just have to get some extra DM to get that virtuous cycle going again. Whereas the escalation dice is a lot more, you know, you're escalated, you get plus five. Mm. Go with it. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I mean, but, but yeah. yeah. Meta- meta- gaming, as I say, is like the talking about the game outside of the game. Mm-hmm. And... It, mm. it can be really good. It's like, yeah. talk to your players like adults. It's by far the number one piece of advice. But I think it's like, metagaming is good when it enhances your enjoyment of the players at the table. Mm-hmm. I am one of the players. I want my enjoyment to be enhanced. <laughs> uh, metagaming is bad when you're basically getting into spoilers. Like, the things that people call out as bad examples of metagaming are all basically spoilers. It's using your out-of-character knowledge to detract from the enjoyment of your players. If you're like, oh, well, actually, the monster shouldn't have that sat block. That's kind of detracting from the DM's enjoyment. And it's like, you know, from your employment's enjoyment, because you're, like, getting in the way of what's going on. If you're saying, like, um, oh, I think uh, I think we should go left here, because you've read the module. Yeah. I mean, sure, you've read the module, 
but that's 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 well, a bad that's, that's just cheating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I I I mean, there is an agreement. So that's, that's not metagaming. That's cheating. I I think I'm not sure. I would be hard pressed to find a rule which says you can't read the module before you play. I think it's a very... It's understood <laughs> yeah. Yeah. cheating. Yeah. Absolutely. Te- technically, but... for looking at the manual, doesn't say it's cheating. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think we've got to the point of the conversation where we're, yeah. we're trying to argue whether or not reading an adventure before playing it is cheating or not. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah sure. Yes, it is. I, I mean, I'm just, but, but it's like, I'm just picking the ludicrous examples, but it is like knowing trolls are to acid metagaming. Mm. Who, who can say? Like, I mean, thinking, oh, I've heard trolls are vulnerable to acid, let's try that. I'd say, that's not the mechanism, that's, like, reasonable. But being upset that, oh, they're not actually vulnerable to acid, I don't know. Like, um, because you haven't mm. heard it in character, or because this is a different sort of troll, like if it's a crystal troll, I might try thunder, because, mm. you know, it looks like crystal to me. Blah. If it's crystal, I use fire on it, it's like, that's a mismatch of expectations, I don't know. Mm. I, I've... I, I'm hard pressed to think of examples of I, bad metagame because I don't I don't see it very often. Um, I well, I, I mean, I can think of one if we're wanting to talk about metagame. Hmm. Well, like uh, there was a, a scene where because everyone sometimes the party is separated and everyone hmm. at the table sees what's going on. Uh, I had hmm. a character who was like a spy, and um, hmm. they were basically captured, and like a body double went back into the group, and I was then playing the hmm. body doubles like double agent going in, and one of the players yeah. comes in and goes. I'm going to do an insight check on them. And it was kind of like, hmm, why would you? Because your friends just kind of come in the room. But it's like, fine. Mm-hmm. They failed it, so they didn't know anything. And then their character kept playing really suspicious and trying to look up stuff they're doing, which wasn't yeah. normal beforehand. So that's a negative no example reason. of meta- metagaming. Because I fair enough, yeah. insight check, maybe I notice mm. something's off because I know this person so well and they're having a sugar in their coffee and they never do. Like Something like that would be like, fair enough. But yeah, yeah. That mm. didn't happen. So that's an example where you can't separate player and character knowledge and metagaming in that way. It makes the story less fun for yeah. others. Because that made it less yeah. fun for me to play that character to do the things that I was trying uh, to c- do. Because so, c- it's spoilers. Yes, basically. exactly. It's like yeah, you're, 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 spoiling, you're spoiling other people's enjoyment by using knowledge that you've acquired outside of the fiction. Exactly. And I think that's well known. Yeah. A lot of people talk about it. And a lot of players I find are scared about metagaming because they're worried it's this like mm. crimson mark. But... Like we've been saying, metagaming just means sometimes talking outside the game to arrange stuff, and we all do it a bit. Like that's that's what safety and consent is. Like we'll lean away from certain topics and do things mm-hmm. like that. So I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing. But I feel like we could do yeah. a whole hour talking about metagaming, and we had been talking that's, for a very long a time about metacurrency. metacurrency. So are yeah. we coming to the end of our time on the podcast this week? Do we feel we have discussed? Metacurrency I think so. I think we've all just agreed that um, none of us agree about metacurrency. <laughs> Sure. I don't know. I think we've got overlaps. I think we've. I think we've yeah. all got different styles as GMs and different ways we like mm. to play. Yeah. Mm. Which I think we all already knew. But that's why I think why this podcast's interesting because <laughs> we're not all the same person sat here going, uh, "We think this good next." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. Right. I'm secretly cool. So that's been a bombshell for listeners this week. I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> you enjoyed that. Impossible. Peter. <laughs> You're on <a> record. <laughs> I'll never listen back to it, so I'll never know. No, uh, true story. Okay. All right, anyway, shall we, shall we call it there? Shall yes. we go and do a weekend? Yes, let's go and oh. do a weekend. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll talk about metagaming next week, or maybe we won't. 
Seems like we don't know. It would be we meta for us to say at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not really. Nice but I was trying to yeah. make a joke and it did laugh. Anyway. Next week we will unleash a new topic at least. Ah. Hey. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's All go. Right. Right. See you later. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I'm not going to do that for a long time, because it's going to be a while till I'm ready to run high-level play as a GM, Mm. I think, because that's a whole different kettle When when you're a high-level GM. What level GM are you now? Level one. Oh. You've, done more, you've done a few games, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, but how, how much XP? I don't know what the rules. Um, you get 70 XP per hour for okay. a rules light game and 140 XP per hour for a rules heavy game. Okay. And then you multiply that by the number of t- players at your table. Okay. I'm writing this down. And then you divide that by the number of coffee breaks that you have. Does it have to be specifically coffee or is it any bio break? Any caffeinated beverage. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 you get two thirds of the XP if it's uh, non-caffeinated. <laughs> and is the caffeine break per number of players, or is it just if it happens, it happens? Oh, per game session. Per session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, and that's obviously, okay. you can also gain XP in downtime, and that's based on the number of times you reread the same uh, rule book, which is ten XP per time. Or oh. if you read around the subject, read other rule books, you can get in five XP per rule book there. Hmm. It's not okay. as good reading rule books, but then you'd expect that because it's, it's not like same yeah, level yeah, challenge. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And what? How, do, how? What is the XP to get to level two? Uh, Nine hundred and twenty-four. Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry, we're using different <laughs> systems. <924. laughs> okay. I'm using the remaster system. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> I have to do some maths and get back to you if I'm level two. Right. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think I might be actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah because if it's times the number of yeah. players. And I mostly run in the evening, so we don't have caffeine breaks as much. Exactly. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, probably level two. So, sorry, to answer your question, I'm a level two GM. Excellent. Good to know. Marvellous. Fantastic. Okay, that so could also- help you work it out with a simple and easy-to-use XP system. That sounds great. I'm going to write that yeah. up, put it, on the, put it on the end world. That is, the, that is the best bit of podcast content we've ever made, I think. I've written notes for it, so we can no. write an article yeah. on the end world for people to... We should, release, we should release those XP rules as a product. I'm sure they'll be incredibly, incredibly successful. Oh, Lord. How awful. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I'll what else is happening in the news? <laughs> yeah, we should talk about things that have not happened. I'll do happened. the art. That's the bit I'm really good at. Yeah. Um, nice. Sorry, I mean, I shouldn't have said that. So really it'll be free then. <laughs> We've, okay, 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 okay. 